Good morning, Cornerstone. Good morning. I haven't seen you in a while. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you. Um, it's always a pleasure to, to hear those joyful voice, voices that say hello. So it's awesome. This morning, um, we're going to get right into the sermon. But before we do, I want to say a prayer. If you can indulge me, I know we've prayed quite a bit this morning, but I want to pray for a couple areas of ministry, our men's, women's ministry, also our movie night is coming up and the sick among us. And I know we've prayed a lot, but hey, I don't think we can pray enough. And so I'm going to pray this morning and I'm just going to ask God to bless those ministries and that we would see growth in those areas and then He would use His Word this morning to really speak to us. So, Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank you that you are bigger than any problem that we face. And Lord, that you have given us joy for our mourning. You have given us beauty for our ashes, Lord. I just thank you this morning that your word is true and that you hold true to your word and that not one word will pass away without doing what it was meant to be done with. And so Lord, I look to you and I pray for our men and women's ministry, that you would bless them. I pray for great growth, not only in numbers, Lord, but spiritually that our joy for you would become abundant. And Lord, I also just pray for this movie night that we have coming up on Saturday, and then I know the youth are going to the Milwaukee on Friday, and I just pray and ask, your blessing would be upon this time. And Lord, that we would see growth. I pray that You would call forth families that are in our community that don't know You. I pray that they would come and taste and see of Your goodness, Lord. Because You are good. And I ask You that You would touch those who are sick among us, Lord, whether it's by the cold that's going around or the flu or something bigger such as cancer. We know that You are God of the impossible and when You say Your Word, Lord, it goes forth. And so we declare your word in truth, and we thank you that you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, and we thank you for the gift of your Spirit, and thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, this morning. In your precious name I pray, Lord Jesus, amen. Now you got to be careful, because when I start with prayer, that means, man, I'm running, and I've got it, I'm going, I'm good. I'll chill out, I'll settle down, (laughs) that is it. Alright, so, this morning we're in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. And as you know, as a church, we're going into a new season, into a new year, and one of the things that we're really focusing on is being Jesus-centered and people-focused. And it really excites me because I believe when we are actually really connecting with the Father, connecting with Jesus, then people really become important and hold the place that they should in our lives. And I talked a couple weeks ago about being the image bearer of Christ, being the image bearer of God. All of us are an image bearer of our Creator. Now, not all of us are redeemed. I talked about, remember, the redeemed, the unredeemed, the Jew, the Gentile, But we're all the same because we're all created by one God. But when we choose the name of Jesus, we become redeemed and we we come into that special relationship with the Father where only believers can call Him Father God. 
And next week we're going to talk about becoming children of God and, and looking at that aspect. But this week we're going to look at an aspect of holding on to Jesus. You know, there's a, as a Pentecostal growing up, there was a song that we would sing in the choir and it really we got with it and it was, Hold on to what you got. The fire's not that hot. Hold on to His name. Hold on to the name of Jesus. If you can imagine choir singing and it is getting really cool, it was a cool experience to know that Jesus was all that I needed. There was nothing else in this life. And you know, you guys, I want to just share with you just real briefly, last week, thank you for allowing me and my wife to get away, and I thank my in-laws for taking care. In-laws are good for something, right? And <laughs> they're not here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but they took care of our children, and, and we got away. And there was something in my heart that said, you know what, Jesus, I need to actually get away with you, and I just need time to kind of de-stress and as I was thinking about this and I was looking at my lovely bride and, and we were feeling that, that we needed a time to, to just get away and this thing came up called um, Weekend to Remember. And I would suggest anybody that can do this to do it. Because it is, we had anywhere from newlyweds or really not married yet all the way to 61 years of marriage and they were there to have their marriage enriched. It was pretty cool because the 61 years of marriage set up and said we still aren't perfected yet. That's why we're here. And I'm like, wow, yes and amen. That is the attitude to have. But as we got away, I began to be able to focus on the love of my life again. Without the children whom I love, whom they are created actually out of my love for my wife, my children were created but our relationship wasn't created for them. It was created um, for me and my wife to love one another. And so as we got away, one of the things that spoke to me really clearly was at the beginning of the session, as as they were talking, they said, Satan wants to isolate you from your spouse. That is his main goal. And why is that? Because Satan is isolated from Father, God the Father, and he wants God's children to be isolated from him. And then I began to think about our church and began to think about the series we're in, and it is so true. That God, that God doesn't want us to be isolated, but when Satan comes in... He begins to isolate us from the Father, right? Just like at the beginning... And then he also wants to isolate us from fellowship with one another. And we've talked about that quite a bit in this sermon series in 1 John. Is that when the enemy comes in, he destroys. And you see, the thing that happened to me and that I, I was so rejoicing in is that I got to get away and I got to be with my wife. And you see this morning the sermon title says, Hold on to Jesus. And we need to just take some time to get away, to refocus, and to look to Jesus again. You see, I'm going to talk about this morning that there's an enemy of our soul that wants to come and wants to come and take us away from that, that relationship, isolate us from God and isolate us from one another. And so John writes this letter and he says, don't let it be so among you in the simple words. And that's not what was meant for the church. 
So if you could go to 1 John with me, and I'll just read a couple verses, and then we're going to go through them. I'm going to do my best to explain them to you, and then do my best to make it applicable to our lives. Because really, I could start with the end of the sermon, I could start with it, and we could just go home. And I know some of you are like, that'd be really good, Pastor. I want to enjoy this weather. It is awesome weather, and I thank Jesus for February weather like this. So let's read the word together. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. I don't want to talk about these two scriptures real quick. And when we look at the last hour so often, I think we get confused. Because John said these words 19 hundred plus years ago, he said these words that we know that we are in the last hour because there's an Antichrist that is coming, but there are, even now there are many Antichrists among us. This is how we know it's the last hour. And you know, I hear these scriptures and no matter where you're at in faith, and we talked about it last week, that there's the father and then the teenager and then the child, but all of us are on the same plane here and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But they had an understanding of what John meant by the last hour. And you see, the early Christians regarded this period that was talking about was between the second advent or the advents of Christ. His coming and His returning. So I want to just explain this last hour to you. And it's the only place that the last hour is used is in this book. Now there's other times that it says we're in the last days, which is really phenomenal. But they're, So they're talking about Jesus Christ, His coming, the Gospel, died a sinless death on the cross, was buried and on the third day rose again. And then it started something pretty cool. It started the last hours, the last days. Time is beginning to tick right at this moment when Jesus Christ, and we're going to celebrate it well this year at Easter, when He went away, a time period started. Now remember this. A thousand years is like one day to the Lord. So guys, we're in day two. (laughs) That's disappointing to me. But we are in day two of God's economy and God's time. God is not on time, by the way. He works in time because that's the way we understand it. But there will be a day that He consummates everything. So the time between that and this time period, we are in the last hour. Which is unique because when Peter talked about the sermon in Acts 2, so God would pour out His Spirit in the last days. It's not talking about a day to come. It's talking about a period that God is going to pour out His Spirit upon His children. And we're going to look at that and I will prove that through the Scripture this morning. 
And so when John says the last hour, he means the last hour. And when you think about it, and I've often thought about it, is there is a time that is ticking and there is a stopwatch that is going. And one day that stopwatch is going to be tick. It's going to be, what do you call it, a clicker? It's going to be clicked and it's done. And so how do we know that it's the last hour still? But first, let's look at the word Antichrist here. And I want to say that, that this word Antichrist here describes three things. And the first one, it says, you heard the Antichrist is coming. And we see it in Revelation that there is going to be one who comes that leads an ultimate rebellion against Christ. And we call that the Antichrist. Everybody knows about the coming of the Antichrist, don't we? It's going to happen. It talks about it in the Word. But John says something a little bit different, and this is where I hold to the view of these Scriptures, is even now many Antichrists have appeared. And when he's saying this, I believe the second dimension of it is a spirit in the world that opposes Christ or denies Christ. And we are living in a last hour that there is an opposition to Jesus Christ. It's either to say He opposes Christ or He denies Christ altogether. And then the third aspect that John is talking about here is that false teachers who embody this Spirit. And we'll define Antichrist just a little bit more by using other Scriptures But William Barclay says this, that John's Antichrist here is not so much a person as a principle. Not so much as a person, but as a principle. And I believe it because I believe it is becoming more intense upon believers of denying Christ or just denying the deity of Christ, who He is, and seeing if we don't truly know Christ... we will begin to walk further and further and further and further away from the truth. We're so much so, remember I was talking about how I had to get away with my wife. We have to get not away from the Word, but we need to get back to the Word. And we begin, now we we are in a season where we need to hold on to Jesus. We need to know Him more. And in in just explaining the sermon this week, I talked about just the purpose of us walking away and, and, and walking further and further away from the Word of God. But I want to say this, it is not hard to get back. It is not hard to get back into the right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. You know who makes it complicated? You and I. We make this thing called Christianity so complicated, but it's really not. Remember how John started this? If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's not that hard. And so we know a little bit what Jesus is talking. And and let's ask ourselves, are we in the last hour? And I think we've already established that. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-2. through 2, And kind of stay in that area, because then we're going to jump to 2 Timothy 3. It 
It says this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-2. through 2. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. And then it goes on to explain how this will happen and, and what it does. And really, if you go on to three, I'll just look at it briefly. As men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods with, which God has created. They begin to make laws and rules that really aren't part of God's design. And so Paul is telling Timothy that there will be a time where many will fall away. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And I think about this and I think we are in a time that that there is a lot of doctrines and a lot of things that are being said that really are causing confusion within the church. And see, this is what John is talking about. Is he saying, hold on guys, it's not that bad. You you can hold on to the truth, but I want you to know what eternal life is and it is through Jesus. So no matter what others say, we'll look at that. And I keep jumping ahead of myself because I can't help it. Because it's plainly said in this book. But if we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. And I look at these (laughs) things and I stand guilty as charged. Because you see, before Christ, all these things were part of my character. But see, the sad part of this is that this is part of the ethos of the church now. We have become lovers of self. Instead of lovers of Jesus. We become lovers of money instead of lovers of Jesus. Boastful and arrogant. Now I am not beating up on you this morning. But it says in the last hour that this was going to be the case. And so what I want to do for you this morning is just kind of wake you up and say, don't let it be a part of your character. If it is, run to Jesus. Because He has forgiveness. If you go back to 1 John chapter 2. And see, it says in verse 19... 
It says they went out from us, but they were not really of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are not, that they are all are not of us. And I want to just kind of help you out for a minute. Is that if you choose to leave this church, I will be preaching about you. They said you really were not one of us. For if they had been of us, they would have stayed with us. (laughs) That's not what it's saying here. That's not what it's saying here. There's something bigger, something grander at place here. So if you choose to go somewhere, just talk to me and I'll bless you. I'll bless your socks off. Maybe, no, just kidding. Um, What it's saying here is that there were some among you that were really not of us. And they were revealed. And if you would go back, I don't want you to, but 2 Timothy verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 9, it says they were revealed in time. And you see, so often we act like the enemy is without. What do I mean without? The enemy is outside. But I want to kind of ease your mind a little bit. Is that Islam, they don't claim to be Christians. Buddhists, they don't claim to be Christians. Atheists, they don't claim to be Christians. So I just want you to kind of just settle down just for a moment. And and let's stop looking at the outside so often and be so scared of the outside world when really John says that there were some among you and see that's what was coming about and was coming to fruition and would in the second century of the church. And the truth is, folks, and this is good for you, is that I can't see your souls. I can't see what's going on inside of you. And you know, as an early believer, I was so thankful that the pastor couldn't see what was going on inside of me because there was turmoil. And I want you to know, if you are going through great turmoil today, this is a side note, is that God is bigger than your problem. And I just want to share this with you. Thursday morning, I woke up heavy. I was looking to my problem, and God wasn't even involved in this equation. And I was looking at this problem as the more I was saying, I mean, I woke up like this, the more it got bigger and bigger. And I'm like, whoa, I can't deal with this, Lord. And then he said, you know what you're doing, Jeremy, is you're making the problem bigger than me. I am bigger than this problem. And I don't know who that's for, but that was free. And I hate it that I had to suffer for you. (laughs) Let's go on to verse 20 and 21. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you, you do know it. And because no lie is in the truth. And he could, John could have just said it like this. I am reaffirming the truth that you already know. And it says in verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And I want you to know, this anointing is not just for the few. 
This anointing isn't just for people that have either just come into the faith or in the middle of their faith or way above the grade in age. But this anointing is for everyone. And I often say this, we all come to the foot of the cross. All of us at that foot of the cross are equal. Now we have different callings. We have different purposes in life, each one of us, and that purpose is awesome. But this anointing is for us all, and this anointing is the Holy Spirit. And this anointing can go so far in this verse is that it's that same anointing that when they would come and they would put, pour oil on the kings of Israel when they came into power, this same anointing is that same anointing that God has poured over us when we came to Christ. And I remember when I was ordained that they poured oil all over my head and it got into my eyes and it hurt. But it's the same anointing that every one of us has received. That Holy Spirit has come upon us. In verse 22 through 23, this is the Antichrist. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. You go over to chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 in 1 John. We're just putting the puzzle together and the pieces together. This is by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist in which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is He who is in you than he that is in the world. And so often, this is a spiritual warfare scripture. I want you to know that. But if you put it into context, it says, greater is He, that anointing, that Holy Spirit, that Jesus, who is in you than the the Antichrist who is in the world. And you see, so often, we act as if Jesus is not enough. So I want to ask you this morning to ask yourself the question, is Jesus truly enough in my life? And you see, there is such deception from within, oftentimes, the churches that they mask it in a different way. They mask it in rules and regulations or just some strange doctrine that becomes weird and it really takes us away from Jesus. And not only does it take us away from Jesus, it takes us away from one another. And I shared this a while ago or a month ago. Is it a false prophet? You know a false prophet by their fruits. And if they are drawing others away from the true reality of who Christ is in fellowship with the body, you probably have a false prophet on your hand. And I want you to know this morning that even if this pastor preaches a different gospel, that let him be accursed. Because there is one true gospel. And we need to know that gospel. 
And it is Jesus of the Bible. So let's go on to verse 24 through 27. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Here we go from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in Him. And I want to break these down just real quick. Is this gospel that you've heard from the beginning is the true gospel? And that same Jesus who when you first came to Him ignited your life is the same Jesus that wants to ignite your life again today. And you see, I'm not preaching a new gospel or a different gospel. And as remember John says, not a new commandment I give you, but an old one. And then he says, a new commandment I give you. This is something that needs to be made fresh in our lives again. You see, Jesus is not a thought to be thought. But He is someone to be experienced. And I am not preaching a new gospel. You see, sometimes for some of you, you need to actually experience Him for the first time. And that Holy Spirit that we talked about needs to come in and and, and revive your heart and your soul. But then some of you have grown cold. And you need to experience Him again. And you see, John is saying, look, here's this little package. It's really not a big package. Or no, it's a huge package, sorry. But here's this little package that I have in my hand. And this package is eternal life. And every one of you have an option to grab this package or not. And you see, John actually beheld this package. The one who wrote this book, if we need to be reminded, actually touched and saw and felt this eternal life. And he's explaining to them, hold steadfast, because there are some among you that are going to teach a different doctrine and a different gospel. But know that that anointing is in you. And you know, he says you don't need to be taught. Some of us would say, okay, then why am I here? And if that's your attitude, and I, I get it, then it might, you might want to ask, well, then why did John write this book? Because this book is actually teaching the church at Ephesus to hold fast. He's teaching them. So it's kind of like, what are you talking about, John? And remember I said that if John was among us, he would be 80 to 100 years old, a fatherly figure. So I would be very like, John, you've lived a life, you've touched him, but what do you mean? Just speak straight to me, right? All I want is to be spoken truthfully to. But it's saying this. There's not a new gospel. You don't need to be taught something new. What you have already been taught is true, is tried, and it's real. See, we need to get back 
We need to get back to our first love. And so this morning, how can we apply this word to our life? Because application is so important. And you can go to Revelation chapter 2. I'll just go through it real quick. The angel of the Lord in Ephesus writes, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. This is funny, Jesus, the same writer that wrote the book of 1 John to the church of Ephesus is, is actually writing Jesus' words to that same church. And he says, you've done well in this area. And then he goes on and says, you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which was very bad. And we won't get into that this morning. Which I also hate. But Jesus says, in you trying to hold the truth and to prove falseness, you've left your first love. And so how can we apply this word this morning to our lives? How can we not be deceived by the spirit of the Antichrist? It's to love Jesus. And to know that that spirit that Jesus has given you, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And that's what John is speaking to the church. It's in you. It is in you. Do not be discouraged. It is in you. But you need to come back to that first love. And then the second way that you can apply this word to your life. Second Peter says this, and he says it so clearly, and it goes along with our Jesus-centered and people-focused. So the first application is Jesus-centered. The second is going to be from 1 Peter chapter 4, sorry. The end of all things is near. We're in the last hour. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. No murmuring and complaining. As each of you has received a special gift, employed in the serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, whoever speaks is to do so as the one who is speaking the oracle or utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all these things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. If you guys could come.
So this morning as they come and we end the service this morning into Sunday morning, is I want to call us back to intention. You guys, this is all about Jesus. There's no other reason for you to be here. Jesus is our common cause. And if you have fallen out of love with Him, I want to call you back to that love. Or if you've never experienced that love, I want to call you to that love. Because He is waiting. And time is ticking. And Jesus says, when I, when I return, will I find such faith on earth? We are to be watching and waiting. Return to that first love and then the second part. Is please love one another. I know we have differences. I know we have actions. I know we all have attitudes. And someday, like my son said this, if you can, can I share this? He said, I just feel like hurting the dog today. I was like, what? Where did that come from, son? What is in your heart? And it just reveals something to me. There's just some days you feel like hurting somebody. And I said, did Jesus put that there? And he reassured me, no. I said, that's right, son. Just love one another. Love one another. And we all fall in this area. We all fall short. Let's pray to Jesus that he'd forgive us. So if you stand this morning, we're not going to have a normal response time, although the elders will be here to pray for you and with you after service. So please go to them. I just want us this morning to end it in worship, but in also contemplation. It's just asking the Lord to let this word go deep and let it bear some fruit. Because the world needs it. I need it. You need it. So Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it's powerful. And we thank you, Lord, that you're calling us back to love you, our first love. And Lord, I just ask where it has grown cold because love grows cold sometimes. I pray that you would rekindle that fire again of our first love. And Jesus, we're busy people. But will you call out in your still small voice and just urge us to come to the side again and to recharge? Or somebody that doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to know you and they would experience you. And Jesus, would you help us to love one another? And where we have fallen short on these two areas, I pray your forgiveness and I pray your mercy on our lives, Lord. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.